Welcome to the Gut Doctor Podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, today I'm very excited to have Jamie Allers back on our show, and we're going to do something different. We're going to talk Thanksgiving or holiday meals. So Thanksgiving was just last Thursday, um, and I figured... It's a good time to chat because I actually had a patient last, I think last Monday or Tuesday, ask me how they can make their Thanksgiving meal more gut friendly. Uh, and I figured the best person to discuss that with me would be Jamie. So Jamie, as all of you know, is a registered dietitian with Hartford Healthcare. Uh, and she sees patients patients at the Digestive Health Center in Bloomfield. So Jamie, as always, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this one. So there's no there's no real list of questions or topics we can go through, but I figure we go through a typical Thanksgiving meal, um, and you kind of tell us what works, what doesn't work, and how to make it better or more gut friendly. Um, let's start with appetizers. Um, so I'm a big cheese person. Um, cheese plates. Now I know certain cheeses, hard cheeses, soft cheeses, uh, can be better or worse for the gut. So can you give us some pointers there? Yeah, so harder aged cheeses tend to be better. And I'm going to put some of this in the context of low FODMAP eating as well, um, since that comes up a lot when we're treating IBS. So some of the harder aged cheeses that are technically approved for that are brie, cheddar, Colby Jack, feta, goat cheese. So you do have some soft cheeses there you could pick from. Um, Harvati is another good one. Parmesan, Swiss. Uh, pecorino. So you can, in building a cheese plate, you really can have a variety of textures and flavors and still have something that won't be as irritating to your digestive system. Well, that's great. I, I'm surprised goat is on there, goat cheese. I, I love goat cheese, but I would have figured that was more of a, a softer cheese, but I guess goat cheese works for a low FODMAP diet as well. Yeah. And part of that has to do with the aging process. I see. Now, some some people with their appetizers with cheese plates also have uh, vegetables on there, you know, and I know anecdotally raw versus cooking vegetables does change your bloating and gas production. Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, definitely. And also what you can do with some of those vegetables to get a semi cook on it and have it still feel, have feel, feel like it has some of that crunch is just a blanch on certain vegetables. So a blanch is a really quick cook of a vegetable at a very, at a high boil. So you're not going to keep them in there all that long. They're almost like going to turn a brighter color almost. Broccoli is a good example. That's actually approved on a low FODMAP plan. And so you can do a quick cook to help with the digestibility and some of that. But also, you know, broccoli, bell peppers, carrots, tomatoes are all considered low FODMAP as well and less, you know, gas and bloating promoting. And those are often found on a veggie plate. So those would all be fine. Oh, I like the term Blanche. I'm going to use that with my wife and, and you know, show her that I know what I'm talking when I cook. Um, I read um, soup. Soup is uh, another possible appetizer. Um, people say all sorts of things about soup and it's GI antioxidant properties. Uh, what are your thoughts on soup? I know it's a very general category there and there's a lot of different types of soup, but any pointers there? Yeah. With um, one thing that happens with a lot of soups 
are the aromatics that are cooked in the beginning of a soup. So things like garlic and onion. So if garlic and onion are something you're avoiding, I would keep that in mind because those are often one part at one point or another being added to the soup. Um, and I bring this up a few other times when we're going to go through the rest of the meals and we talk through, but um, bone broth is something that has been you know, there's some research to support gut benefits in bone broth. Um, a lot of the amino acids, there's glutamine in bone broth, which is something that is almost like the preferred fuel for a lot of the cells of the digestive system. And um, so that could be something you could use in your soups to even add an additional benefit in terms of gut health. Oh, great. I, I would not have thought of that. Um, yeah. I know garlic, I know garlic and onions is often a, a no-no for, you know, irritable bowel syndrome. So um, I, I think we may get into this too when talking about cooking oils, but you can also, I believe, infuse oil with garlic. And sometimes my IBS patients do okay with garlic infused oil as opposed to putting real garlic in their recipes. Yes. And um, the green parts of onions, like if you have a green onion or a scallion, the green part is actually considered okay. And chives are also okay as well. So if you like that onion flavor, in addition to using something like a garlic infused oil to get the onion taste, you could sprinkle a little bit of chives on top of something as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I big fan of onions and chives. So, um, let's talk Turkey. Let's talk the, the, the real, real deal here. So I was always thought Turkey itself, like many, you know, lean meats is okay. Yeah. And in terms of digestive health, those one ingredient proteins tend to be pretty safe. So turkey, and what's also interesting about turkey too, and honestly, animal products in general, is they're a great source of B vitamins. And if you are someone who's avoiding wheat products for gut health, or if you have an allergy or intolerance, a lot of times you end up losing some of the B vitamins because you're not eating those foods that are fortified with B vitamins that is often found in flowers. So animal products are a natural source of B vitamins. So you would get that from Turkey. So it's a good replacement if you're someone who's avoiding fortified wheat products that would have them otherwise. Oh, that's, that's, um, and now when you're, when you're, uh, cooking the Turkey, we talked about oil, any special oil that you think about? I know there's a lot of different oils out there, something better than other. Yeah, it depends on how you're cooking it, right? And so different oils are better for different cooking methods. Avocado oil is something that is really good for a high smoke point. So if you wanted to put some type of oil around the turkey, avocado oil would probably be better because it can withstand that high temperature heat compared to something like an olive oil, which is really better at more of a cold or very low temperatures. Um, and also grass-fed butter tends to have a better ratio of omega-3 to omega-6s. And same thing with if you were to buy like a pasture-raised turkey instead of a conventional turkey, grass-fed butter, pasture-raised turkey, those types of animal products have higher omega-3 content, which is better for anti-inflammatory purposes. And it's a better, a healthier quote-unquote form of fat in that way. So even honestly, some grass-fed butter on that turkey would be a good form of fat to use as well. All right. I just wrote that down. Grass-fed butter. I made that note of that for sure. Let's talk about stuffing, which is probably most pa most patients, most people's uh, favorite or you know ingredient or part of the the Thanksgiving dinner. Um, how can we make stuffing good? What makes stuffing bad? 
Yeah, if you're avoiding the gluten component of that, that's happening with most stuffings, if it's made of bread, a good substitute is looking for a real sourdough bread. And when we say real, we mean one that's actually been through the entire process of producing a sourdough bread. So the way you can tell if it's true sourdough is if there's no yeast in the ingredients. So if you go through and you see there's wheat, yeast, water and salt, then you know they've used the yeast to kind of skip out on that process. So if there's no yeast in it, it's a, a traditional sourdough, which is much easier on the digestion. And people find that if they're following low FODMAP for IBS or other digestive issues, they may tolerate sourdough better. So you could use that as an alternative. That's a great tip. Okay. So look for yeast. And if there's no yeast, then you got, you got what you need if you're trying to be gluten-free with the stuffing there. Um, how about gravy, cranberry sauce, these other other sides we on on? Yeah, so gravy, um, the thickening agent is part of the problem, right? So there's plenty of other thickening agents that might be easier to digest if you're avoiding wheat flour or white flour. So cornstarch, potato starch, tapioca starch, or arrowroot flour can all be used instead of traditional uh, wheat flour. And this is another area where you could use bone broth in a gravy if you're going to add additional broth to making that. Um, and the cranberry sauce, again, it's in general, you can make it yourself. It's really an easy thing to do. But if you are someone who's following a lower FODMAP plan for IBS or have any sensitivities to fruits in that way, you want to watch out for the type of sugar that you're using in this. And this goes for desserts too. Um, honey is more irritating to the digestive system because it's a high fructose uh, sugar. So the preferred sugar would be more of like a maple syrup if you wanted to use that to sweeten the cranberry sauce or even honestly regular sugar at that point. All right. And I think an important point there you mentioned is that we want to avoid processed foods, right? In general with gut health. And so, yeah. you know, if you can, again, it's not always both a time or cost doable, but if you can avoid the canned cranberry sauce, something you can put together yourself, even if you use sugar in that, it's probably going to be healthier than the canned uh, cranberry sauce with the, the sugar in there. Yes. Um, uh, so one of my favorite side dishes, uh, mashed potatoes, um, and then I, I know a lot of that's cream-based or milk-based, um, which is could be a problem for many people. Other things we should look out for when we talk mashed potatoes? The Well, the type of potato. So if you are a sweet potato person, there's sweet potatoes actually have a higher FODMAP amount in it. So those could be more irritating if you're um, if you have any gas or bloating with IBS compared to regular white potatoes. So you would wanna probably just have a smaller portion of the sweet potato in that regard. Um, and then you could use those chives again on those mashed potatoes. So I think there's ways to get, and you know, the grass-fed butter. So you can get really close to the real thing without having um, a lot of dairy in it either. Interesting. So I always thought sweet potatoes in my mind when I'm out, when I get a burger, I always get sweet potato fries because I think I'm being healthier, but I guess healthier is not always equivalent to low FODMAP. So good to know. Yeah. Um, the I guess the final, at least app that I think of for side dish is uh, the green bean casserole. Yeah. So tip with that, if they're traditionally used using those fried onions on top, those are not gluten-free. So if you're someone who is avoiding gluten for whichever reason, the fried onions probably, if they're there, they've got gluten. 
let's move on to dessert. Um, I, I guess dessert varies. Um, I know pies are very popular around Thanksgiving time, but uh, what is a dessert, if any, that we could go with? Or do we talk just about cutting down sugar when it comes to dessert? Yeah, and I think it gets back to kind of like what you were saying about the processed food. The most that we can do to use the 80-20 rule at a holiday too, you know, you don't, you're not necessarily going to be perfect. And maybe there's a dessert you really only enjoy one time a year. And that's what you choose to dig into. But a lot of, there are a lot of good substitutions out there. Um, there's flourless chocolate cake recipes that could be pretty tasty if you're a chocolate person. And there are some fruits that are considered to be lower FODMAP melons this time of year, you know, orange are also okay. So oranges or citrus, raspberries, strawberries, lemon. So those types of fruits can be used in various desserts. And um, another good one is coconut milk. So coconut milk is a great rich alternative for dairy when you're making desserts and that coconut cream. I don't know if you've ever seen that, like on the top of a coconut can, that fat, that layer of fat on top, mm -hmm. you can actually whip that up into a whipped cream replacement. Interesting. I did, I did not know that. Um, I'm a big fan of coconut water, um, especially when you get served in the coconut, you know, or, uh, <laughs> when we used to go to, we used to go to India when I was younger, pretty much every summer and you get that, you know, often that was good, but I didn't, didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Also flourless, uh, you know, you mentioned flower stuff. It is true. For some reason I find anecdotally that to taste sweeter than even, um, with regular flour. I'm not sure why, like the chocolate uh, dishes that are flourless. Yeah. It's, I mean, you really get to taste the chocolate in there too. So the last category I guess we can touch upon is, you know, drinks. So obviously depending on your Thanksgiving when it starts, there's going to be coffee, tea, alcohol involved, um, tips and tricks there. There are certain teas that are probably going to be a little bit easier on you. So black teas, green teas, peppermint teas, white teas are all fine. Chamomile tea is kind of a sneaky one, but that one is considered a higher FODMAP tea. So chamomile okay. and oolong as well. So those you might want to do a little bit less of. And in terms of alcohol, they're, I mean, ironically enough, a lot of them are fine. So like gin, vodka, whiskey, even beer is okay. Wine is fine. Um, a lot of the times it has to do with stuff we're putting in it. And a lot of those sweet mixers or, you know, the bottled cocktail mixin you can use to make margaritas or things like that, they might have high fructose corn syrup in it. And there's that fructose again, that would be, could be really, you know, gas or bloating promoting. And so we want to watch out for those added ingredients in the juices and the mixers that we use. And I just, you know, public service announcement here, Jamie and I are not suggesting that, you drink all of those uh, and be fine for your gut. You know, we're also stressing moderation. Yes. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that's an interesting point. And I know I always, um, I'm fascinated by by wine. I'm more of a white wine drinker than a red wine drinker, but I know red wine also has some anecdotally or some limited data about how it does improve your gut biodiversity. Mm -hmm. um, and so there may be some, maybe some GI benefits there as well. Um, this is great, Jamie. Um, other tips and tricks. Uh, so, or is this what we plan for, for next Thanksgiving? No, 
I think there's a way to balance everything, right? And if you know there's certain things that really bother you and foods during the holiday, maybe that's a hard stop for you. And then there's some other things you might allow some more wiggle room just so you're able to not feel too restricted or that you can't enjoy anything during the holidays. So planning ahead really helps just to know what you're going to be eating, um, who's cooking what, to get an idea of what might be in certain dishes that you're going to be eating with family. So yeah, just, you know, there's a way to make it work for sure. I like that. I like that balance. I mean, I like that word because I think even in our prior episodes that me and you have done, when I talk about other diets, it's all about what is actually doable and sustainable for you. And again, this is a holiday meal. It's a one-time meal. So balance, you don't need to, you know, go so stringent with yourself that you can't enjoy the holiday. Um, at the same time, you don't want to fully let go and then pay the consequence later on. So I think that balance is a great way uh, of putting it. Absolutely. Jamie, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to make sure I listen to this episode again a year from now before Thanksgiving dinner. Um, mm -hmm. And I think our listeners will really appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me again.